Have you ever heard of a scandal where someone in the church, maybe even a church leader, got caught complaining, grumbling? I know you've heard people do it, but it's never considered a scandal. Why is that? Is it because the Bible treats it as a small matter? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. I'm going to admit something to you that is going to shock you. I don't use Twitter. And I know that uh, you're stunned to hear that because when you think of me, I know the first two words that come to your mind are hip and trendy. Um, so you'd think I'd be all over the social media and Twitter and everything, but I just have to, I just have to say, I've never understood Twitter. I don't get the point. I don't, what could you possibly say in 140 characters or less uh, that's of any value? So, so I just never got it until last week. When I went online and I was reading some tweets from celebrities, and I, it came to me, I figured it out. The purpose of Twitter is very simple. Twitter is a platform for celebrities to complain about how difficult their lives are. I read about how miserable it is when you have a bad experience with your private jet or when your limo driver doesn't do a good job or when you're having trouble selling your Ferrari uh, or when you're stuck on a yacht in paradise without a jet ski and how horrible that is. Um, these are the kinds of tweets that go out from the celebrities. And it's just, I was amazed at how much they complain. Every time, everything, every time they just get a sore throat or a stomachache or even chap lips, they have to get on Twitter and just make an announcement to the world about it. I just stubbed my toe, uh, bit tongue during dinner. Uh, a lot of them were just two words. I'm sick, I'm tired, sore foot. Here's a few others. Um, I hate Christmas because everything is closed and I need excitement in my life because I've been so bored lately. Or, I'm so sleepy, why is it time to get up? Can you imagine being so tired, uh, too tired to get out of bed and so with a little bit of strength that you have, you reach over and you get your phone and send out a tweet complaining about it? I hate trying to spread cold butter on a slice of bread. The, the, the project is so laborious that he's got to take a break from the meal and type out a complaint on a phone. I hate it when hotels don't have movie menus. Packing for this week is giving me so much anxiety. I hate it when they put olives in salads that still have pits in them. I mean, the horrors that some of these people have to live through. I have a headache, I'm tired, and I'm cranky, I want a nap, and I want tortilla chips. I have a piece of quinoa stuck in my throat. My Canon printer says it has no paper, but it does. Or this one, this last one might be the most painful of all of them. I lost my selfie stick. That was a guy that did that one, by the way. 
So the way Twitter works, if you're not familiar with it, the way it works is you can sign up to follow these people. That way, if one of them gets a runny nose, you don't have to be in the dark about it until it hits the news. You'll know right away. Isn't that amazing? These are the people in our society who have it all. They're rich. They can buy anything they want. They, they're famous. They're admired by millions of people. They live in that powerful, uh, that power, they have influence. They live in unbelievable luxury. Uh, and, and they incessantly complain. Our whole culture basically worships a bunch of whining crybabies. But never mind the celebrities. Let's just talk about some of the things that I read on some of your Facebook pages. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do But I had you a little scared there, some of you did for a minute, didn't I? Why? Because we all do it, don't we? We all do it. I don't have to look at anybody's Facebook post. To, if I want examples of illustrations of complaining, I don't have to go any farther than my own heart. We are a complaining culture. And it's actually not surprising. It's not surprising that the wealthiest, richest uh, have a problem with complaining because complaining is essentially a function of selfishness. And so the wealthier the culture, the more self-absorbed people tend to get and the more we complain. Uh, Just one example, as a culture gets wealthier, the uh, family sizes get smaller and kids grow up in a situation where where the family just basically revolves around them. Um, what would you like for you know one child? Then you just got all this time, right? So in attention, you can get to one child. What do you want? What would you like for breakfast? What would you like in your lunch? Oh, you don't like that? Let me take that off your plate. I'll give you something else. Um, whenever he gets bored, mom or dad can be a playmate uh, for him, so he never has to be bored. Um, if he's got to go to soccer practice or somewhere else, then mom will just chauffeur him all over town, and, and and he grows up thinking that the world just revolves around him. You grow up in a family or six, with six or seven kids, and uh, <laughs> you, it's not like that. You, 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 you sit down at dinner, and someone says, I don't like this, and another kid says, good, and takes it. You, know? um, you, you need to go to soccer. I remember telling my mom, I, I, got, I got basketball practice. She would just say, well, Daryl, it's snowing, and it's windy. It's awfully cold to be riding your bike. Don't forget your jacket. You know? that, was, that was it. The family can't bend to your needs, you have to adapt to the system and in a larger family. Uh, but in a smaller family, it's not like... Now, I know some of you have small families, and I'm not trying to indict... I know some, you're doing a wonderful job. Many of you are doing a fantastic job uh, with a small family. But the natural course in a wealthy culture is for a child to grow up thinking that happiness comes when all of his impulses are satisfied. And he doesn't know how to have joy when he gets into the real world because he gets into the real world and the world doesn't cooperate. It doesn't bend to accommodate all his desires and preferences. And so he complains. I think most people, even unbelievers, would agree with me that complaining is not a good thing. Right? People, people don't like it generally. I've never heard anybody say to me, man, I just love being around whiners. This is my favorite thing. I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say, yeah, I had to teach my kids how to complain more. Um, we all agree it's bad. It's bad, but not as bad as, you know, like murder and you know, violent crime, abortion or, or fraud, things like that. Even Christians don't take it all that seriously. Um, a kid in a Christian home who uses some four-letter words, he might get his mouth washed out with soap or something. Uh, typically, you don't see that if, if he complains. 
Not as much of a consequence. Not a big deal to us. But what about to God? What is God's attitude towards complaining and how important is it in his eyes? We can start by saying this. One thing for sure we can say is it is strictly forbidden in Scripture. It's forbidden. Plain and simple. Uh, we've been studying through the book of Philippians verse by verse. We come now to Philippians 2.14 which says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's clear, right? That's straightforward. It is absolute. Absolute. It, it doesn't say cut back on complaining, right? Um, which would, I, think, I think that's what most of us would say, wouldn't we? We'd, we would just say, yeah, I've got I to cut back. Most of us think of complaining as sort of an unavoidable reality, and you'd do well if you just did it less than other people. You know, don't do it all the time. You don't just constantly complain. Just get, but if we do it a normal amount that everyone else does it, then eh, that's okay. But God doesn't say cut back. He doesn't say cut back on murdering. He doesn't say cut back on kidnapping or adultery. Uh, they're all completely forbidden across the board, and it's the same thing with complaining. Look at the verse again. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Pop quiz. What are we supposed to do without complaining or arguing? Everything. Absolutely everything we ever do. Anytime you utter a single word of complaint, you're sinning against God. And is that a little sin or is it a big sin? Look at 1 Corinthians 10.1. It says, our forefathers all passed through the sea. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. So God rescued all of the children of Israel from Egypt. They all get rescued. But then God ended up killing most of them in the desert. Why? Verse 9. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. God killed an entire generation of Israelites for the sin of complaining. You say, well, that's, that's Old Testament. That's not for... Look, look what the, verse 11 says. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. Verse 12, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It was written for us. Complaining is a very serious matter. But you'd never know that from watching most people in the church. You'd never even know these verses are even in the Bible. I mean, how often do you even hear this? Like, it's not like the church has never discovered Philippians 2, right? We know about Philippians 2. Verses 5 to 11, some of those famous verses in the whole Bible. And verses 12 and 13 are really famous. I mean, you hear those quoted all the time, very well known. But have you ever heard verse 14 quoted? This passage is almost completely ignored in the church because complaining is probably one of the most accepted sins that there is in the church. Think about what you would do if you found out I was embezzling money, I'm stealing money out of the offering, or if I was up here and you know, using a bunch of four-letter words in the sermons, I'd be gone, right? But what if I complained? You know, it's, not a, it's actually not uncommon for a church leaders to get up on the platform and Complain about the weather, you know, the snow, or the, you know, some physical ailment, or you know, whatever. A lot of speakers just do that just to gain some rapport with the audience, just to start out their talk, and it's accepted. This is one of those commands in the Bible where the church of our days basically just let it go in one ear and right out the other. No complaining, uh, yeah, whatever. You don't hear people confess that, you know, when they're confessing their sins. You don't hear this one. You don't hear people asking for prayer. Help me overcome the sin of complaining. 
There aren't any bestsellers about how to address this issue in your life. There's no 12-step groups. There's not, you can go to the bookstore, try and find a book about how to overcome complaining. We don't take it seriously, and as a result, it is an incredibly pervasive problem in the church. Most of us, I think, have no idea how much time we spend actually complaining. Uh, One study I heard said that they found that 30 to 40% of all of our conversations are made up of complaining. So we wouldn't even know. I mean, it's, it, it's the way that we make conversation. And for some people, it is a way of life. <laughs> I mean, it's just how you talk. Uh, maybe for some of you in this room, you, if you tried to go cold turkey tomorrow, no complaining, what's, you wouldn't even know what to say. I mean, you couldn't even carry on a conversation. You'd be like, my shoes are comfortable. You know, and you just, I mean, like, well, how do I even talk if I, if I don't have anything to complain about? Most of us don't even realize how much we're complaining because we don't think of it as complaining. Um, I, that's the way I was. I remember when I was first com- confronted with my complaining problem, I just argued. I thought it was ridiculous. The guy was just being ridiculous. And I, I don't complain. This isn't complaining. I'm just observing reality. I mean, I'm a realist. What do you want? I'm not, I, and I, I, I'm not, it's not grumbling. Let me ask you, is there a place for that? Is there a place for just observing rat? Can you ever talk about something negative or something painful? Or is that always complaining? I would say, no, it's not always complaining. There is an appropriate time. Jesus once said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow even to the point of death. And we know that wasn't complaining because Jesus never sinned. So what actually constitutes complaining? How would you define it? We can get a feel for it just by looking at the Greek word itself. The Greek word is kind of a funny word. It's gonguzmos. Uh, so it's an onomatopoeic word. You know, it's a word that sounds like what it is, like, like zip or buzz or something like that. Um, it's, it's, that's what it sounds like when people grumble, gonguzmos. It's like, you're just like, oh, stupid, that kind of a muttering, griping, negative tone, that attitude. It's really an attitude. The Bible has very strong words about the sin of complaining. Do you take those words seriously in your life? Don't measure it by the people around you. Our whole church culture has completely deadened our conscience on the topic, so you can't go by that. Just go strictly by what the Bible says. Does your life reflect a belief that grumbling infuriates God? We'll be talking a lot more about this in the next few episodes, and I really hope you can tune in I think these are some of the most important episodes we've had in a while. So, so we'll get into some specifics, but for today and tomorrow, the application is just get, to give as much attention as you can to how much complaining there is in your daily conversation. And every time you catch yourself, give some thought to what kind of talk would be more honoring to God. Father, your patience is amazing. When I think of how much you hate grumbling and how much I've done it, most of the time without even repenting or even feeling bad, yet instead of crushing my life with discipline, you've showered me with blessings. You're so slow to anger, so patient, so merciful, and so abounding in love. I want that love and patience and mercy to move my heart to take this seriously. I don't want to 
take it all for granted that you're just going to be merciful. But I fear I've made it such a, I've made grumbling such a normal part of my speech that I may not even notice when I do it half the time. Please, Father, restore my conscience in this area. Sensitize my heart to notice every time I grumble. And give me the grace to shift immediately from grumbling to gratitude. There's so much for me to be thankful for. I will praise your name in song and glorify you with thanksgiving. I will shout for joy to you, Lord, and worship you with gladness. I will come before you with joyful songs. I know that you are God. It is you who made me, and I am yours. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. I will enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. I will give thanks to you and praise your name because you are good and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.